We take these dudes to war, lie them down, cause we stronger now. My people's time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. There's nothing else in the world. All I need is one mic. So I need to do this thing, you know? All I need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath of one man. What I stand for speaks for itself. What's up, everybody? This is Joshua, and I am the world's mayor. And this is Spoken Word. Man, that was dramatic. (laughs) Like, I'm not even trying to feel that dramatic right now. Because I feel free. And I feel, I don't know if liberated is the right word, but I feel free. And yesterday I did a broadcast, uh, actually the broadcast that I'm doing today. But when I did the broadcast, I came in after a long day. I was tired. I was exhausted. And I was living in fear about doing this broadcast. So I just did it. Like I made myself do it. And after it was done, I felt like I didn't give the episode, the broadcast, the respect that it deserves. And uh, while I'm all about you know, doing live broadcasts and not censoring myself and not editing. Uh, I, I was happy with the broadcast and I would love to be able to use it in some capacity. However, again, I felt like I was disrespecting the subject matter. I've shared over the last few weeks and the last few episodes, you can look at them. You can go to our website, livemonaworldwide.org or livemana.org. And you can see, um, well, there's a different tone in the broadcast. And what I'm sharing, talking about DID and my struggles and so forth. And of course, now looking back at it, because I'm out of that space I was in, out of those altars, out of the switch, I'm fully in my body today. In fact, I wasn't even fully in my body yesterday when I did the other broadcast. So it's interesting to come back today and be willing to do this with the same gusto, but also um, I want to really, really open my heart more. So this broadcast is about homosexuality. This broadcast is a message to not just the church, but also the LGBT community. I'm not factoring all the other letters, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but frankly, I don't even get the point. I'm not even a fan of labels. I don't call myself a Christian, even though Jesus is my Lord and Savior. God is everything to me. I live my life for him, and without him, I would not be here. Um, I'm not your, I'm not a preacher. I, you know, have the name Shock Jock Evangelist, but that's not to even compare me to evangelist. Um, you know, I grew up listening to Shock Jocks, and I have a certain um, edge to my personality and the things that interest me, but also the things that I went through have given me a certain ed- edge. And when I say what I went through, I'm not saying that from a victim place. So all the things that happened to me when I was younger, I don't look at myself as a victim. In fact, for so long, I used to believe that being molested by men and women really contributed to my desire to have sex with men and women. And I, to be honest, the more I've thought about this, the more I've prayed about it, the more I've gone back um, in my, whether it's in my dreams or in my prayers and gone back to those situations, 
to reface the situations that I went through, uh, that I experienced, I really started to realize that I believe that I was probably born the way that I am. Now, yeah, trauma and all that stuff has an effect too, but I, I remember uh, specifically the events that happened leading up to being molested the first time. And um, let's just say that without going into details, and I don't want to trigger anyone today, but I'm pretty confident that I was already attracted to men and women as a child, as young. I was drawn to that energy. Now, of course, after being molested the first time and not understanding really what happened, other, uh, you know, the, experiencing the pleasure, but the pain and then the fear of being told that if you say anything, bad things will happen to you. That's not fun. But ultimately, there was the source of my confusion from the whole time. And I can't tell you that I have everything figured out. But I want to say this. Ever since I gave my life to the Lord and leading up to that, and it's depicted in the book, The Devil Inside Me, my testimony. It's a book. There's a movie. You can go to our website and see it. Um, Books on Amazon. But that life that I lived, to be honest, there was no way of knowing what was really real and what wasn't. Oh, yeah, I did all of those bad things. But there's no way of knowing, well, was I really into all those sexual things that I did? The hot wifing, the orgies, the bathhouses, the gangbangs, the swingers clubs, the hookup apps, all the things that I was doing. I have no idea. I had no idea of knowing what was real for me because, well, I was chemically enhanced the whole time. Hence, chem sex addiction, cocaine, meth, ecstasy, um, you know, mushrooms and acid were not exactly that enjoyable with sex, but that's another conversation altogether uh, that I don't think I need to have. But after I gave my life to the Lord, um, I, you know, there's a spiritual high that happens and, you know, mind you, my gave my life to the Lord in jail facing five years in prison. But when I got out on the streets, I still had the spiritual high. It was five days later get out in the streets, downtown LA. I'm like, Oh God, now what? These promises that I made to serve you and to be all in and to commit my life to you were so much easier behind bars. But now I'm on the streets. Now I'm back where all my triggers are. I'm back on the same streets where I was able to safely and dangerously explore my sexuality, had access to everything. In fact, the the gay and bisexual community and even transgender community in Southern California is pretty big, especially compared to Oklahoma, where I grew up. Um, Of course, I've lived in multiple beach cities and I've been very blessed to do so. And of course, in those beach cities is where I really, really became aware uh, that maybe my sexuality was was what it was. And it wasn't uh, made up and it wasn't drugs. But then again, I did so much drugs, (laughs) so many drugs. And I did so many bad things and had so much anger and so much resentment that I had no idea of knowing what was real. So I give my life to the Lord, downtown LA, on the streets. What am I going to do? But I have a spiritual high and a commitment to constantly serve the Lord and to learn his word and to learn what God wanted for me and to be 
what God created me to be. Because you see, it was in prison or in jail in L.A. County that I discovered that all of those dreams and visions that God was giving me were God showing me what was possible for my life. And that God had a plan for me, but I didn't believe it. I kept running from it and running from it. And that I didn't want the responsibility that came with what God called me to do. But it was in jail that I decided that I was done running and I wanted to only run to the arms of the Father, my Creator. Not my earthly Father, even though I forgave Him. My Heavenly Father. And after that decision, spiritual high wears off. Now all of a sudden, I'm starting to notice my draw to certain men. Not and women too, but men is the focal point here. And here it is. I'm in the Bible every day, reading Corinthians, reading Genesis 19, Leviticus 18, 19, and 20, Judges 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Timothy 1, 10. I'm reading these verses, and I'm reading that I'm, this attraction is abomination to the Lord. I'm an abomination. How can somebody be, how can you love me if I'm an abomination, God? Why does this feel so real to me, but I'm an abomination? I spent the first two years in the Bible, in the Word, seeking God, trying to develop a relationship with Him, which I did and have and do. And the more I've gotten to know Jesus, the more I've gotten to know the Lord, the more I've gotten to know myself. But I'm an abomination. And it never felt right. So I shame myself and I beat myself up more. And every time that this feeling would come up for me, I'd beat myself up, and then I'd run from it. This is not me, and I would deny it, and deny it, and deny it, and deny it. I'm set free. I'm not free of this. And then I heard the words, two years into my walk, God loves you. Exactly the way you are. And I'd heard it before. But for that first time, I think I, believe, I, I believed it. And so I started to accept myself. As I was. But I didn't know what to do with my attraction to men. Because marriage is for a man and a woman. Why does the Bible say this, God? If, if you love me, just... The way I am, hate the sinner, I'm sorry, hate the sin, not the sinner, okay? But it feels, and I don't know if you can relate to this, and not everyone's going to understand this, especially Christians and people in the church and people that think the Bible is the literal word of God, like God wrote it in a pen. Never mind the different translations. Never mind the words that have been taken out of the Bible and removed. And I'm going to get to that. Never mind 
the books of the Bible that were removed, that belong there. And I've known all that for a long time, and I've always believed it. And, of course, it's taken years to be able to prove it, and now I've proved it. But still the question, abomination. Why am I abomination? You said you love me. How can you love me if I'm an abomination? Okay, so now I'm denying myself. But as I notice that I'm denying myself, I'm telling myself, no, this isn't right for you. This isn't right for you. What's happening to me inside is I'm crumbling. I'm losing my confidence. I don't know who I am. I'm closing off my energy to people. I'm wanting to hide. The minute that I notice that I may be attraction or want to go talk to that guy, I'm shaming myself and I'm blocking myself from who knows what. But I'm doing it because that's what the Bible says to do. I don't want to be an abomination. I want to be everything that God created me to be. I want to be all that God created me to be. And I want to accomplish all that I was created to accomplish. So I'm willing to do anything that God says. Right after, I understand that God loves me the way I am. I really had a hard time trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with myself. Still battling DID, which is disassociative identity disorder, and battling switches, but they're fewer and far between, and I'm doing everything possible to avoid more triggers and switches and all of that stuff because, you know, I did have a relapse in that time too, like before that, because of the shame and guilt and all that stuff and beating myself up, being rejected by the church because I shared my testimony at... Uh, What's the name of Rick Warren's church? Saddleback. I remember going to the men's group, and I've never said this publicly, but I, I, I've never said the church's name. Being, I shared my testimony there at a men's group, and I was just basically shunned from everyone and dealt with that over and over and over again within the church. Every church I went to, every church I went to, I just go, I want to serve. I want to help. I want to give back. I wanted to give everything I had to these churches, and I was constantly rejected. And it beat me up and it wore me out. And I just like, well, maybe, maybe it's because I'm bisexual or whatever label I gave myself at that moment. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because I haven't healed yet. That's why they're rejecting me. They're rejecting me because of the, what says in the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And it hurt. How can you love me, God, if I'm an abomination? How can you love me if I'm a faggot? If I'm a bisexual, if I'm a, a trisexual, which is try anything, or whatever those words are, I don't even care. How can you love me? And with me, I've always been one that I don't, I question everything I'm, I'm, I hear, and I've always been that way. In fact, it's why I never really got into church or religion in the first place, because it just something didn't feel right to me. Never really got into the Bible, because something didn't feel right. But I gave my life to the Lord and I committed to that. And I have been to this day, even with all of my questions and as much as my skepticism about certain things, and I've got reason. I've got reasons. 
I've got proof, I believe. But I've always questioned it, but I committed to the Bible. And I noticed that as I read the Bible, I noticed the instruction. But I also noticed, because I've been baptized by fire multiple times. I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and I can read your mail. I'm highly gifted because of the Lord. And, I mean, we're, we all are. We all are. But I exercise my gift freely. And I love it. And it's all God. It's I, I get to see miracles all the time. So my relationship with the Lord here... Can You can question it all you want, but I don't question it because I know. But I also really struggled when I'm reading these the Bible and I'm reading stuff and I'm going, and my spirit's lighting up going, something ain't right. You need to go look into that. You need to go look into that. Not, this is true, apply it to your life. You need to question that. You need to find out the truth. You need to get dig. And then there's other things that are revelations that are absolutely true. And it hits me in the spirit. I'm like, okay, I'm corrected. I'm wrong. I repent from this. So anyway, I walk away from everything after that. I want dating, not having sex, not doing anything. Except trying to get closer to the Lord and find out what's true for me. No more drugs, no sex, no stimulation. I'm going to know what's true. I heal, I heal God starts to restore my life. Everything that I lost after being homeless, um, with the exception of my kids, has come back in my life. I get the love of my life in Jessica. I have two beautiful little girls that I get to help raise. And here I am, a grown man who's healing. And uh, in, in what I've noticed, the more I've healed is that while I, the DID is healed and I'm not switching to different altars. And by the way, these altars, as I've talked about in previous shows, have different sexualities, different tastes. They have different ideology. They have different ways of thinking. Now, fortunately, I've kind of taught each of them to, to love God, except one. One is just, eh, but he doesn't come around very often. I haven't seen him in a long time and don't want to see him, to be honest. But they all love God, except one. So I've taught them that. And part of DID is you can retrain your triggers, but you can also teach your altars. It sounds wild, right? It, 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 <laughs> try living with me. <laughs> and Jessica's going to have to talk about this sometime from her perspective. Um, because it's it's without her, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And uh, she's been a true gift from the Lord because without her, I mean, she's helped me heal better than anything. And... Uh, I mean, with God's help, but it's been amazing. She's been the one person on this earth that has been committed to helping me heal. And we've helped heal each other, and it's awesome. But as I healed, and I'm not switching, because before it was easier to accept, well, that's that altar that wants to have sex with guys, or this is the one that's into being a cuckold. And, this, you know, I mean, like, this is, these are, this is all very, very real. I also talk about this in my book. Um, that I wrote with Jessica. But as I've healed and I've, my, my, my soul fragments are starting to become whole and come together. I've really noticed that where I'm at my peak flow state, where I'm feel closer to God, where I feel like I'm walking the path that God wants me to walk and I'm open to receiving and also to giving love. I'm very much 
I guess it would be fluid in that or, you know, it depends on how you define gender because, you know, like I've shared before that, I mean, I find some transgendered women to be beautiful, but as far as attraction goes, it's more energy for me, not necessarily private parts, although people's private parts are sometimes attractive and arousing. But it's really the to, that makes me want to be intimate or to bond. It is really an energetic thing. And I don't know how to quantify that. I don't know what to do with that because that's what's always been present when I'm in sound mind. When I'm in a perversion or I'm like, you know, triggered uh, sexually, then it's like there's deviant thoughts that come. But when I'm in a pure heart, this energy exchange is what I notice and how I feel. And it's very powerful. And I don't know what to do with that, never have known what to do with it. And so it's led to a lot of frustration because, again, I'm wanting to be obedient to God and I'm not wanting to be an abomination to him. Even though I've accepted that God loves me, I'm still thinking that my attraction to men uh, or desire to do something about it is a sin and I'm wrong. And so I beat myself up and then I beat myself up long enough. And next thing I know, I'm triggered. And then I'm going back to the old ways of thinking and wanting to act out on that. That's not good, especially for me. It's not the life I want to live because I want to honor God and all that I do. So here we go. Now, I need to pray before I do this. Heavenly Father, please, Holy Spirit, speak through me. I want to relay this message with love, with kindness, with compassion. And I want you to flow through me, please, when I speak, because I don't want to use any words that are blasphemous. I don't want to speak anything that is against your name and the plans that you have for me. I also do not want to cause confusion. I want to deliver truth. I want to deliver facts that other people can go and look for themselves to make up their own mind. I do not want to be the persuader of how people think, but I want to inspire them to think for themselves and go find the information the way that you've called me to. I love you, Lord. Speak through me. I surrender this broadcast to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So after lots of researching, and there's more research to do. But I felt like I've gotten to a place and I've been able to confirm what I've found in a pretty special way. And while this is spoken word, I do have notes because it's important that I don't put my own words in any of this. Uh, it's, it, it's very, very important that we I stick to facts here. I mean, yes, I'll give some opinion, but you'll know when it's opinion and when it's facts. And I want you to research this and not take my word for it. I don't want you to believe me, even though I believe I'm telling the truth. Uh, even though I, I've prayed about this, I've, I've been down this path, I've researched the crap out of it. And so now I'm prepared to say this. Anything that I say in these notes that you disagree with and you think is bullcrap, then I also want to challenge you to reach out to me. I don't care if you're, you can be a, a theologian, you can be a preacher, a priest, I don't care. If you think I'm full of crap, you're welcome to come on this platform and prove me wrong. I say this out of love, not spite, because I'm open to correction. If I am wrong about this, 
then God correct me. God correct me if I'm wrong. Or you correct me. But you better come with facts and be able to prove it instead of your opinion. We'll read this. This has been, this is inspired from Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, but I wrote this down because it really hit me in the heart um, when I read 1 Corinthians 6, because this is what I believed to be really the true message of following Jesus and what it's really about. And um, so here we go. In the same way that some seek to reduce Christianity to a philosophy or set of ideas, others seek to reduce it as a set of rules for living. If true faith is only about eating certain foods, abstaining from others, and avoiding perfect practices, then willpower must be more important than the Spirit of God. Willpower must be more important than the Spirit of God. Living by willpower is not easy. In Christ, there is a life of freedom that surpasses a life of rule-keeping. It comes from obedience to the call of the Spirit of God. Following Jesus is freedom because <clears throat> the way I like to think about this, and I've, I've used this analogy before or something close to it, but I really, I love this. When you're doing any task, like for broadcasting, like people that come on broadcast, a lot of people are prepared. They have scripts and they have things that they follow and everything's got to be a certain way. But what happens for some people is they, they lock up because they're thinking too much. Like, okay, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Is this perfect? Is it... When you do that, you're restricting flow. You're restricting yourself from just being free because you're stopping and thinking and compartmentalizing, but it's trying to section everything off and make everything fit just perfect and fit right. And I think as believers, we get hung up on the rights and wrongs too much instead of just living by the Spirit. You know, you've heard of the free-spirited people. My One of my best friends in the world, who's no longer with us, Tiffany Porte. Um, she died after a really brutal battle with cancer not long ago. And um, those of you that know her know what an angel she is. She, I still think she's an angel floating around somewhere, helping people, loving people. One of the most extraordinary people in my life. But when I, we first met and became friends, it was just an awe of her spirit. It was so free. She wasn't hung up by anything. And this is a woman that was going through so much pain, so much family pain. But yet she was such a lover, like just love people. And, um, and I never really thought about it until just now. Like as I mean, she came to me as the example of being a free spirit. And she's one of the most extraordinary humans I ever met. 
but she, that's, that's how she lived her life. And I know that, you know, she was a yogi at first and then she uh, accepted Jesus, but she was still a free spirit. And she was this model for me of believing that spiritual but not religious people had it closer to being right than religious people. Meaning that the relationship with Jesus, yes, is everything. And it's the, it's, 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 it's like the, with, it's a foundational piece that we all need to have to be what we were created to be. And, but the religious side becomes restriction and judgment and fighting over Bible verses and interpretations and people fighting and saying the King James version is the only version of the Bible, yet completely ignoring that King James was known as Queen James and he was a homosexual who had a lover named Steenie, was it? Is his name Steenie? It was a very weird name. Um, Steenie. It's Steenie. Where's my note that has Steenie on it? It's on here somewhere. Oh, mercy. Oh, I think it's on my other note over there. Hold on. I'll be right back. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, you got to see behind the scenes. Got to love the AI camera. <laughs> His name's Steenie. Doesn't matter. There's you can read their love letters online. So, I all that fighting has it, it. It doesn't do anything to make people come closer to Jesus. But that's what we do, and that's what religion does to people because we start arguing over who has the right God, and this is the way you pray. No, this is the way you pray. You should tithe. No, you shouldn't tithe. All these arguments that really do nothing to move the kingdom forward. They don't advance the kingdom. They don't build your spirit. In fact, if anything, they just frustrate you and piss you off and make you think that you're more holy than other people. That's not the case. You're not more holy than other people. You may know more Bible verses, but that doesn't really make you holy. Any idiot can memorize things, but do you have the courage to walk it out? Do you have the courage to be willing to be corrected? Is it easy for you to pass judgment, but when you're judged, how do you feel? Doesn't feel good. So I just like to subscribe to this. I want to make this statement before I go further, is that none of us really know the whole truth. You can't say, well, the government's lied to us and, you know, the, the doctors have lied to us and all these people have lied to us and not consider the fact that maybe you've been lied to by the church, too. The Catholic Church is one of the most evil entities in all the earth. I said it, and I mean it. Just go to the origins of the Catholic Church. It's pretty obvious. Watch the Roman Empire and the transition into the Catholic Church. and walk, Pay attention to those stories, how the Bible was controlled by the Catholic Church, how books were decided to come in. And yeah, I know there's the Council of Nicaea and there's all the, I mean, I know the story that they sold everybody, but think about the COVID story that was sold. Was that true? No. Just on the news today, they wanted to vaccinate kids. Well, now we've got a problem, folks. You've been lied to. The Pope. I mean, I'm sure maybe there were some good popes, but the Catholic Church as a whole, it's not exactly a Christian organization. 
So maybe they have an agenda. Look at the symbolism around the Catholic Church. There's a lot more going on than what you know. I mean, some of you may know, but not all. So, homosexuality in the Bible. I've heard, I've believed in my spirit for a long time that something wasn't right, but I couldn't prove it. I had heard things. I did an episode a year ago when I was brought, actually, it's been two years. Uh, two years ago, it was about the most common misconceptions of the Bible, the most misinterpreted text or verses. And I briefly, like, when I, this was the very first time I saw it. But it was talking about how there wasn't a Hebrew word for the word homosexual. And the word that was used in the Bible originally really had nothing to do with homosexuality at all. It had to do with raping young boys. And I got a lot of flack for it, but I didn't really have any substance to back any of it up. In fact, that episode caused so much backlash that I got gun shy and I went and retreated. I wasn't confident enough to stand in the, in the face of this and say, this is right. But I was so gun shy from even going to research it for the last month. That's what I've been doing. I've got a story for you here. The first time homosexual appears in the Bible, German translation of the Bible is 1983. Germans are the ones that created the word homosexual, and they did so in 1862. Now, I believe it was in the United States homosexual was first put in the Bible in like 1952, and that's from a different source, and I don't have that one in front of me, but that's when it came into the English Bible. Biblica owns the NIV version of the Bible. In 1983, they bought the German version and they, because they didn't have the population of Christians to warrant a new version of the Bible. So this American company, Biblica, paid and influenced to add the word homosexual was that was not there before. I already told you about King James. So you have all that. And so Genesis 19 is about Sodom and Gomorrah. But people think that that's about gay sex. No, it's about rape and incest. Leviticus 18, 19, and 20 was talking about incest and predatory and damaging relationships, not same-sex love. Leviticus 20, about incest. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 1 Timothy 1, 10. And we're going to read that, actually. Sexual exploitation of young boys by older men. Paul's letter was more about the, uh, it was, Paul's letter was a broad indictment against idolatry and excessive self-centered lust, driven by desire to consume rather than to love and to serve a Christian partnership. That's what Paul was speaking out about, not homosexuality. He wasn't talking about two men or two women that want to get together and have a loving relationship. It wasn't about that at all. And I know you're like, but it says homosexual in the Bible. It didn't always. 
say homosexual in the Bible. Do you know what word it said? Do you know? I can't pronounce the word because it's a Greek, I mean, yeah, Hebrew word. Oh, here it is. The English translation until 1946. So in 1946, this is when the word homosexual was put in. Do you know what word was there before? Arsen o koitai? A R S E N O K I T A I. A R S E N O K O I T A I. It means boy molesters. It was referring to grown men raping little boys. That is what God has a problem with. Incest, God has a problem with. But it has nothing to do with consenting adults. So, what this has done, and I back this up, you can look up any of the stuff I just said, but what this has done for me is help me recognize the trauma that I've caused myself, the trauma that I've caused others, but also it's helped show me the areas I get to heal. Because before, you know, oh, it's DID, I'm switching, it's in and out, it's not always consistent because that was true. Because it, it changed so much, like it was hard for me to know what was real. As I've healed, I've started to notice, well, this is more consistent than I thought. I'm not using external stimulus to trigger this and make it worse. I'm just being. But you see, where I've been wrong about this, and I, this is where I want to get to. I want to say, let me say this first. If you're a homosexual, if you're a lesbian, if you're bisexual, or whatever sexuality you are, that doesn't make you wrong. Unless if you are molesting underage kids. I mean, that's wrong. Cheating. Wrong. But also, so is defiling your body. Sex is nothing to mess with. Like, to, to just, like, think it's something you can give away. And just, like, you know, put it in anybody or whatever. <laughs> like, like <clears throat> the secrets of sex are not just pleasure making babies. There's a soul exchange. There's an energy transfer. There's DNA that's transferred. That there's a reason why people pray away soul ties. You ever notice those of you who may have gotten drunk at the bar, went home with somebody, you had sex with them, or you were having sex when you were dating, and then you break up, and you know, then you jump in bed with someone else, but then you're always thinking about the ex, or you always have that draw to them, or you go have sex with the ex, that kind of stuff. A lot of that has more to do with soul ties than you know. It's not just your horniness, and well, that's for, you know, he was good in bed, or she was good in bed, so let's go hit it again. It's not, it, 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 it's more, it has more to do with soul ties than you know. Sinning against your body is absolutely wrong because our body is a temple. There is no mistranslation there. Our body is a temple. What we consume, what we consume with our eyes, our mouth, what we speak, all of these things 
can defile us. In fact, I believe what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's in our heart. So, while being a homosexual or bisexual or anything else for that matter is not a sin, going and jumping in bed, getting on swingers apps and um, you know, just banging whoever you want, whenever you want, don't even know their name, maybe you know their name, maybe you think you know their name, maybe you thought they were really a girl, I don't know, whatever. The point is that if you're defiling your body, that would be the sin. Paul wasn't saying that being a homosexual was wrong because that wasn't even really the word that was in the Bible originally. Now, why that was put in there, I got my theories, but I can't back it up to fact, except that, well, you know, they've been lying to us for a long time about a lot of stuff, and I think that's because they don't want us to know the truth. They don't want us to know the truth about who we really are, so then they divide us with religion um, with uh, different, you know, agendas to divide us, to make us clash, to make us focus more on our differences and not how we're the same. Whatever the reason, doesn't matter, but that part isn't true. However, if you're not seeking to love, to have a godly relationship, then that's where you get into a very, very slippery slope of potentially, if not definitely, defiling your body. Just because being a homosexual doesn't make you a sinner or wrong, or being bisexual, or again, any of the other sexualities or genders, the way you go about it could very well make it wrong. I've sinned against my body. A lot. Almost 20 years being a chemsex addict, I didn't exactly know the names or even what half the people look like that I had sex with. I didn't get HIV from eating Cheerios. My behavior and the way that I've acted was living in sin. In fact, to double down on that statement, the way I've gone even about the way I've gone about trying to scratch the itch without actually going over the edge with what I'm looking at, what I'm imagining, my thoughts, I would suggest that that hasn't been right or of God either. Because anything that becomes an obsession can't be good. Lust is obsession. Lust is not just like, ooh, look at her boobies, or look at his package, or whatever it may be. No, lust is, I want what they have, and you're obsessing about it. Obsessing about sex, obsessing about getting the fix, obsessing about anything instead of just being. You can't be in a place of surrender if you're trying to plot and plan and ways to get what you want. I don't think that's of God. So it was interesting because I prayed about this. I begged God to take away my sexuality because like, I didn't want to be in defiance of God. I didn't want to. 
I didn't want to disrespect the guy that I owe everything to. My, my heavenly father, who's given me everything, given me an opportunity to pursue my dreams after not really deserving that opportunity, the life I lived. I don't never want to disrespect God or Jesus for that matter. So while I'm God sent me down this path to find truth, then that's boy, you got to see what I'm about to do next. Because <laughs> um, he just keeps showing me this stuff to go down and I'm finding the information and it's like, and it hits me in the spirit that I, 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 I can't argue this. But here's the thing. I got the answer I was looking for, but there was more to it than that. I also got corrected. I also got punched in the stomach by the Holy Spirit. I also have much more clarity on what God wants for me in my life. And I know that there's a way that I can just be me respectfully honoring God, honoring my body, my temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. And I know the other way too. I live that life. So now I have a choice. I can stay, I can go back to this life going, well, see, it's not wrong, which would be a lie because of the way I was doing that. Or I can honor God, I can honor my temple, and I can just be, and it's okay. I get to choose now. I don't feel like I ever had that choice before because I was listening to all the noise, listening to what was coming at me, the opinions of others and other people's beliefs. Only to get clarity, I'm being off social media for the last month has been the biggest blessing ever because these distractions have been taken from me. And so I can just hear God's voice and where God is guiding me. So while I got the answers I was looking for, and I no longer have to beat myself up over my sexuality, I also know now I am fully aware of when I'm sinning now, too. I don't have the confusion of, is this right or wrong? Because I know what is right and wrong. And it doesn't come from man's opinion, where the Bible has been changed and modified. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's God's Spirit. It's God, it's Lord, it's Jesus that has shown me the truth, has guided me to find the places. And so while I have relief in some areas, because I can just, I'm okay with me. I'm okay with being me. I'm good with me. God loves me. God loves you. But I also know that I have a certain 
I mean, there's boundaries. And there is obedience within this and accepting this of myself. There's still obedience to follow. There's still honoring what God has called me to do and asked me to do. So I want to encourage you that everything I read, there's so much more, but we're, you know, almost an hour into this. And, um, you know, that's, there'll, there'll be more to come later. I'm going to bring on experts, things like that, finding them, because not many people actually want to talk about this openly. But, but we're going to get there. But I want to start there and challenge you to go seek this information that I just gave you myself. Everything from Queen James to the word, um, you know, homosexual, when it was put in the Bible, all that stuff. Oh, battery's about to run out. I'm going to read this really quick. Um, 1 Corinthians 1. I have this pulled up. 6. Okay. Here's another troubling issue. If you have grievance against another follower of Jesus, do... Do you have the audacity to bring that brother or sister into the civil courts rather than submitting yourself to the authority of God's people? Don't you know that his people are destined to judge the world? If you have the authority to judge the world, you can't handle these small matters and render a better judgment than the civil courts. Further, you don't know that we are destined to judge the heavenly messengers. So if we are to exercise authority in the heavenly realms, can't we take care of conflicts that arise in this life? To put it another way, if you were asking the courts to educate your mundane conflicts, aren't you placing your problems under the authority of judges who have no standing within the church? My words should embarrass you. I'm getting to the part, I promise. Is it possible that you have no one among you with better, with the wisdom to mediate between two siblings? So one brother sues another brother in public and drags a dispute before outsiders who have no allegiance to Jesus. The truth is that these public lawsuits cause all you to lose and lose big. I was talking about the infighting with Christians who argued over Bible verses. This is a more extreme case, but this is the same thing. The truth is these public lawsuits cause all you to lose and lose big. Wouldn't it be better to be ripped off or defrauded? In fact, you were guilty of ripping off or defrauding in your own brothers and sisters, not the other way around. Do you need do you need reminding that the unjust have no share in the blessings of the kingdom of God? Do not be misled. A lot of people stand to inherit nothing of God's coming kingdom, including those who live lives, lives that are defined by sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, Sexual deviancy, theft, greed, drunkenness, slander, and swindling. Some of you used to live in these ways, but you are different now. You've been washed, clean, set apart, restored, and set on the right path in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointed by the Spirit of our living God. I can hear some of you saying, for me, all things are permitted, but face the facts. All things are not beneficial. Like, hey, okay, God loves you. Homosexual, bisexual guy, girl, God loves you. That didn't give you permission to be a whore. Message to myself, too, by the way. 
But face the facts. All things are not beneficial. So you say, for me, all things are permitted. Here's my response. I will not allow anything to control me. Perversion, sexual urges, addiction. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. I suppose so, but a day will come when God will dispense with both food and the stomach. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The Lord is all over, is overall. The Lord is overall. He cares about your body. So you're jumping in bed with a prostitute. There's a story there, too, it talks about. You're taking on the soul ties of all those other people. You go to an orgy. Well, you have sex and you're doing all that. Uh, I mean, I don't think everyone removed their soul ties before they went to the orgy. The gangbang. I mean, these are all the things that I used to do. Think about all the soul ties. So this is not an excuse to go do all that stuff because that part matters. It can't be ignored. God has raised the Lord Jesus from death, but he doesn't stop there. His dynamic power will raise us from the grips of death as well. Don't you realize that your bodies are members of the anointed one? God is inside of us. So should I take the members of the anointed one and unite them to a prostitute? I used to sleep with a lot of hookers. So this one hits for me. It's ironic that I'm friends with hookers now. Anyway, like that are recovered. This illicit union should never take place. Don't you understand that when your body is joined with a prostitute, the two of you have become one body? So you become one body with all the other people that she became one body with or he became one body with? The two come together as one flesh. But when you are joined with the Lord, you become one spirit with him. Run from immoral behavior. All other sins are disconnected from the body, but sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who comes from God and dwells inside of you? You do not own yourself. You have been purchased at a great price. So use your body to bring glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So. It's okay to be gay. Don't be a whore. Message. I know there's so much, there's more directions to go with this, but this is what came out of me today. And I'm willing to stand face to face with anybody and have this conversation. So again, if you think I'm a blasphemous idiot, you're welcome to come on and tell me. You're welcome to bring your fact book and your history books and come and talk about it with me. I'm open to being corrected. But I feel this so strongly in my spirit because this is where I was led to find the information. And I've backed this up with multiple sources. And, um, you know, I'm willing to have this debate. I'm willing to say all this in confidence. I may never get invited inside of a church building again. But guess what? It's not going to keep me from loving people. Still love the church. Still love the people there. Love the people outside of it, too. In fact, I love the people outside of it probably more. I love homosexuals. Love Gay people, bisexuals, transgendered, 
straight people, love you all. God has a plan for you. And here's what I know. You're never, ever, 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 ever going to know what's really true until you start speaking what's true to you. God's grace is so amazing that he'll let you walk out that truth only to correct you with what really is true if what you're walking out isn't true. So I'm open to correction. I'm open to being wrong. But I'm also going to fight for truth and I'm going to keep digging because there's a lot more lies that have been sold to us. So gay people, bisexual people, transgendered people, whatever. God loves you just the way you are. He may not love your behavior and the things you're doing, but he loves you. And never, ever, ever, ever doubt that. I did, and it almost killed me. I will never doubt it again. And you shouldn't either. God has a plan for you. And you can be a gay Christian. You can be a bisexual Christian. You can be a transgendered Christian. You can be a cis or whatever all those other words are. Christian. Or a follower of Christ through Jesus. And I will tell you that if the church has hurt you, I'm sorry. If people have hurt you, your family's hurt you, your family's betrayed you, it's okay. God can heal those wounds. But he can't heal anything unless you surrender it to him. And without going into a long, orchestrated prayer, I simply want to say this. If you are tired of hurting tired of struggling, tired of judgment, tired of everything else. All you have to do is simply surrender it to God. God knows your heart. And if you want what God has for you, if you want what God wants for you, I surrender. That's it. God bless. Thanks for watching.